0: Welcome to Polly's Playoff. This is a potathon that was previously recorded for the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's. Polly's Playoff is a tournament to end Alzheimer's. Please enjoy and donate at the link provided. All right. Now we are moving on to player evaluations for redraft. And before we actually do that, um, I'm gonna introduce Rick. Rick, you guys know, is Roto Rick. It's his channel, but he is our guest now. Um, and is the mastermind behind the, the, uh, the potathon and, and helping support me there. And then we've got Ryan Kirksey at Cable Box Score on Twitter. Um, he was generous enough to also uh, donate some or sponsor some spots within Polly's playoff. So we used a couple of those to get some people in. So thank you for that, Ryan. Um, Ryan, tell us uh, kind of what you're, you're working on, and then we'll jump into the, our topic.
1: Yeah, happy to do that. Let me just if I can just for a minute say how incredible this is what you're doing with this with this tournament with this uh this Pathon. I I'm just thrilled to be a, a part of it. Um just very very close to uh to be in terms of what you're doing here. Um n- not the exact same thing, but lost my father a few years ago to a um, to a very similar uh similar disease. So I I am just all on board with what's happening here. And very, very grateful for everybody should be going to do it. Very happy to be a, be a part of it. Um, be, beyond that. Yeah. I am, uh, gearing up for the, I guess the several platforms I'll be, uh, writing for this, uh, this season, uh, I will be on Rasball. I will be on Fantrax. I will be on Fantasy Six Pack. I will be on Fantasy Data primarily nice. this uh, this football season. Maybe we'll throw another one in the mix before then. Who knows? But uh, kind of have a piece of day coming out during the during the season, so gearing up for um a lot there i'm going to be doing an air yards report for rasball i'm going to be doing a fantasy recap for fan tracks dfs work for fantasy data and uh probably some dynasty work for fantasy six packs. we're kind of touching all the all the quadrants, as it were
0: thanks awesome man Rick, i'll get to you in just a second but we are going to say sayonara to our our florida man Jeezy, thanks for coming on. If you guys don't follow him already, it's at official underscore ACG. And if you want to be in another charity tournament, he runs one for veterans. So reach out to him and, and get in that as well. It's a ton of fun. Um, just wrapped up rabbit. my draft uh, for the Apache division. And uh, mm-hmm. I really like my team. So we'll see, uh, see how that goes. But see you Jeezy. All right, and Rick, I, as most people know you cuz this is again your channel, but uh um tell us kind of why why charity events I guess mean so much to you, you know? And and why you've wanted to support this.
2: Uh I've been in charity work since I was in my early 20s. I sat on the board of a uh, charity here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, called a Better Fort, and our purpose was to help staff charity events so that they could actually run, so that they could, uh, so that they could raise their money and and put on those events. Um, and then, you know, as we talked a little bit earlier, Alzheimer's, my grandpa, I saw firsthand, um, a dem- demoralizing to watch that happen. Um, so, you know, connected to this specifically, uh, but yeah, I just, I I love helping people. I love, uh, helping raise awareness for stuff and, and doing whatever I can personally to help, uh, push anything forward that is for the good of, of people in general.
0: Cool. Yeah. And I, I've experienced that firsthand, obviously with polys, but, um, you've just been extremely helpful to me over the last year with content creation and, and other things. So I I really appreciate you. Let's jump into the topic. So um, Ryan, you mentioned on the show sheet that you uh, I think write about or, or work in, in TV um, and, and kind of watching things like that. And so yeah. um, I kind of wanted to spin that into fantasy football as best as I could. And the way that I, I came up with was evaluations for redraft players. Cause obviously like, I'm in Dynasty. I know Rick's in Dynasty. I don't know if you play Dynasty too, Ryan. But player evaluations are huge, especially when it comes to rookies in that aspect. Yeah. So my question for you and, and for Rick is kind of how do you translate those skills into a redraft skill set?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I got to thinking about this this topic ever since, um, since we've discussed this might be coming up. Got to thinking about when was the last time I watched a complete football game. Let's, let's look at Sunday afternoons, right? I watched a complete football game start to finish on Sunday afternoon and didn't have the red zone channel on, right? So the red zone, I get, you know, the, the, the top plays and the top moments for each each of my guys. But um, I, I love watching these island games, but I often feel like you miss so much um, from the, you're, you're just immersed, you're inundated with information on Sunday afternoons when there's 12, 13, 14 games going on and you just can't catch it all. And so the valuation often has to come after the fact. Um, And so so I I look at it a couple of different, a couple of different ways. Um, I'm an old school guy who loves box scores, right? So at the end of every Sunday afternoon, I'm going over box scores, who did what, um, who is performing well, who's not. Um, I I am, as soon as I can grab hold of information, I'm looking at things like snap counts, target share, rushing share, um but these are all things that i'm digesting sort of after the fact because man you know much to my the rest of my family's detriment i'm just on the couch for seven to straight hours with you know plugged into plugged into red zone so uh, hopefully i'm in the majority there amongst uh amongst this crowd but yeah off that evaluation is done after the fact in a very sort of technical statistical way
0: okay um rick i don't i i try to use a combination of, of film and analysis um in, in any evaluation of a player that I'm doing, do you see yourself leaning either way when it comes to uh, redraft evaluations?
2: No, I'm I'm probably a little bit heavier on the the analytics side than I am the film because I'm not going to sit here and act like I know exactly what every player was supposed to be doing on this play or that play. I don't have. Yeah. All the schemes and know all of that stuff. So I'm not gonna act like I do. Uh I go more off the eye test. How does this guy look? How does he look when he runs his routes? Or uh, you know, is the running back hitting the correct hole? But that's about the extent of my film knowledge and and, and evaluating from that perspective. So I'm looking at more of you know, as Ryan said, you know, how many snaps is a guy getting and then Looking at the you know matchups of wide receiver versus cornerback, and and how does this team uh, defend against the slot receiver, or you know those types of things are where I'm really going when I'm looking at my week to week starters. Uh, if they're, if there's a close call between two guys, I'm just I'm I'm looking for most snaps, most target share, mm-hmm. um, and, and best matchup, and using a combination of that stuff.
1: Yeah, let me add on to that just a second yeah. if I can. I, I think it's important, um, as I do tend to focus heavily more on the analytical, statistical side of, of player valuation, as we get into like three, four, five of the season, it's important for me to find a a, a resource where you can look at a sort of a longitudinal uh, grasp of, of that player's snap share, target share, right? So how have things improved? How have they uh, digressed. How is that player's usage sort of going up and down from week to week as opposed to just, okay, Rashad Penny got 64% rush share this week. Okay, well, that's great. What does that tell me compared to what he has been doing versus what he could be doing in the future? So I'm looking as much as I can as we get into past that first month, really week to week, what's happening
0: for a player. Ryan, yeah. I swear you you read my mind. That was going to be <laughs> my, my next question is, okay, you've got the data, you've got the analytics. How how are you using that? And I'm going to make it more specific. At what point when you start seeing trends in a player's let's say SnapShare specifically, do you either cut bait or try to go get that player?
1: Yeah. Great, great question. Um, I think about this a lot, especially as it compares to you know, I do a lot of work in fantasy baseball as well. Right. And, you know, a player could start two hot weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean that that at all is going to continue. Um, but we have obviously a much smaller sample here with the you know a, a traditional thirteen or fourteen week regular season before the fantasy playoff start, and so if I'm seeing back to back, certainly three weeks of increased usage, strong usage, I am I'm traditionally jumping on on that guy. Okay. I, I try to measure it and really be reserved on a sort of one week spike. Somebody in my league inevitably is going to overbid, going to overpay for somebody like that, for some sort of outlier performance. But I'm typically going to look at um, a back-to-back week, certainly after three weeks. I'm I'm jumping in as probably with both feet. Sure.
0: I like that. Rick, what about you? Um, specifically, like, obviously we all kind of get the same information on those waiver wire darlings, but at what point when you see a, a specific trend in data, are you either trying to trade a player or trade away a player um, before you kind of get stuck in a slump or a hot streak?
2: I think it depends on what we're looking at. For example, converted air yards is something that's not very sticky, but a guy can have a hot two to three weeks, and you just know that his numbers are way above the the norm, and you're going to want to move off of that player uh, sooner rather than later. So, uh, you know, target share can be a little bit more – sticky and you can you can kind of see where if they're not converting on that target share where you can go buy somebody before their price tag goes up so it really depends yeah. on exactly what that trend is for that player and and then again what does the public see because sometimes you see stuff that you don't feel like a whole lot of other people are seeing and mm-hmm. you can use that to your advantage so it really just depends on the type of player, what we're seeing trend-wise, and um, and the team makeup, right? Because you can see, for ex- example, we talked about Greg Dortch earlier. Yeah. You can see trends with him, but you know Hopkins is coming back, or maybe Hollywood Brown's coming back from an injury. So that that gives you another thing where you think it would be sticky if they weren't coming back, but you might be able to get out and get some value before those bigger target share guys come back.
1: And I'm I'm going to traditionally make a point, and I guess this typically happens on on Tuesdays to read through five or six waiver wire pieces at various various sites. I'm going to listen to two or three waiver wire podcasts mm-hmm. and sort of see where there's overlaps, to get a sense of okay yeah. this is where people are going to go, and then try to compare what I've seen maybe on Sunday night and Monday where those market inefficiencies might be, where I caught something that maybe the general public is not, or where the 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 popular waiver wire is headed. Um, and so if if there's something there that that you know that's so hard now, but maybe that I've seen but maybe the, the the majority have have not, I may be more inclined to jump the gun there knowing that oh there could be something here, but next week you know it might be more people on it than there would be this week.
0: Yeah, I like that. And so we're gonna transition this I think a little bit to kind of that free agency waiver wire. Uh, aspect, come here, you <laughs> where um, I don't know I I don't want to toot my own horn but like one thing that I did with my podcast previously was it, it was basically a waiver wire show and so one thing I tried to do was give people like different tiers of those, wi- those waiver wire players so maybe someone that you could take a flyer on someone that you needed to either use your priority um, waiver wire pickup or if you're using free agent auction bidding, give them a percentage of, of what they have left of their budget to go use on those people. So I guess my question for, for you guys, and Ryan, we'll start with you is like, how do you prioritize in, in waivers who you're going to go get? Um, and what data do you use to make that decision?
1: Yeah. The, the, that percentage you talked about is, is often vital for me. I've found a few sources over the years that, tend to provide that type of information or recommendation where, okay, we know that not everyone's working from the same sheet of music in terms of how much fab you might have. So the percentage has traditionally a bit, been a big help for me. And so when you can even compare that sort of micro granular level of detail, what people are saying about the percentages of what you should be, um, what you should be allocating to this, that usually is helpful for me to, to gauge you know, when do I want to go one or $2 more than, yeah. um, than I might be. But, um, I, I often have a hierarchy of for how I'm prioritizing waivers, right? So the first is injury and impact of injury long term. Second is gonna be performance, and third is gonna be where do I just have dead space on my roster where I might be able to benefit from somebody that I could just throw in there that might benefit me down the road in a bye week. Um and then that fourth, yeah, is going to be when we do reach bye weeks. That's going to um, obviously reprioritize itself when when I've got players that are that are clearly going to be off.
0: Nice, Rick. Do you use a similar system?
2: <laughs> yeah, that all that all weighs into it. Um, I'm somebody that is, I'm I'm willing to take more risks than the average player. So I'm always trying to get in early on a player rather than wait until Mm -hmm. the week that you're going to need them. And then everybody else knows about them. So then you have to prioritize more of your budget for that player. Or, or if you're in a league that doesn't have a budget, but you're going by waiver wire, I'd rather be able to snag a guy without using my priority waiver, um, Even if I have to stash him for, you know, one to two weeks before he's going to play a part in my league. Now, obviously, when you do have a player on your team that gets hurt and you have to get somebody to replace, to flex, then you have to go above and use probably more than you would like to use on that specific player. But you need it. So it really depends on the situation. But I love to try to find the pieces early, identify those trends earlier than everybody else. And you're going to miss on a lot, a lot more of them and they're never going to make your starting roster. But if you're only spending one to 2% of your budget to try to get them, then you're not killing your uh, opportunity to get one of those players that you're going to need later either.
0: Sorry. I was being elbowed in the face by a a hair (laughs) fixer (laughs) Um, for those hair looks great. (laughs) He said your hair looks great. Can you say thank you? Thank you you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because she's been here a couple times this is alice collier this is our oldest she's five um but uh oh i had a good question and now i forgot it
1: let, let me can i retort not retort but maybe just add a layer something rick said i mean yeah. ask him a question which is do, do you, you said you're a, a little more risky on um than the average fantasy player, so I find if I join a league, say you know I've joined this 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 uh, tournament, this playoff for the first time, um, and there'll be other leagues, whether it's on NFBC or other places that I'll play with people I've never played with before. Do you find yourself slightly, um, I, I guess, more aggressive in those types of leagues than say I've got a couple of home leagues where I play with people for ten or fifteen years, and I sort of have a sense of I know I can. Hold back, wait, be less aggressive. Um, I tend to be more aggressive on leagues where I've not played with people before, just not knowing their tendencies. Just sort of curious how you balance balance that.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, you know I kind of treat it like my backgrounds in poker, and I kind of treat it the same way. I feel like you can tell in the first few rounds of your draft who's the fish and <laughs> at the table, and and then. <laughs> but the difference for us in fantasy is, is that once we get into the season, like we've already seen how people draft, we got kind of have, uh, if you're taking mental notes of how they value a certain position or a certain type of player, then you can kind of figure out where you're at in the, um, in in waiver position when you get to that point, when one of those types of players um, comes up. So if I'm playing with people that I don't know, I'm, I'm taking notes during the draft, just like I would at a poker table like this. He plays this way and he seems to value uh, big receivers over the, the route runners or, um, you know, pass catching running backs versus volume running backs or whatever that is. So I'm kind of just keeping notes and then kind of playing off of that. And it doesn't always stick. Some people get to a certain part of the year and they're like, oh, man, I really messed up my team in the draft. And then everything goes to uh, haywire. But, uh, yeah, I just I am always trying to find those guys that are going to not just make impacts because of an injury or whatever. I'll I'll take the shots on as many as those guys as, as early as possible. And then, uh, you know, the more steady players you can typically, I feel like find them from week to week. And, and because those are the types of players that are getting dropped by other people to pick up for bi-week fill-ins and stuff like that. So, um, I, I feel like I can always kind of find one of those guys in, in waivers from week to week. So I want to really find the guys that could make a difference, um, on a, on a week to week basis in my lineup, if, if that. Um, opportunity comes to fruition. Yeah,
1: that, that's a great suggestion.
0: Awesome. Um, Rick, just, I, I, I know this is probably a hard pull, um, but what would you say the biggest gamble that you've made from a, a waiver wire pickup standpoint is that paid off?
2: Oh man. So I don't play as much redraft anymore because I've got like 10 dynasty leagues. So I don't get into a lot of redrafts. So I don't have, it had been probably 2017 or 18 since I went back, but I feel like early Keenan Allen was one that I went very, very heavy on. He wasn't a super hyped prospect so in redraft leagues he wasn't on a lot of rosters his rookie year but that second half of his rookie year he really picked up speed and um, really helped me in a lot of my redraft leagues.
1: Yeah I will say uh, on the same question something popped into my head which is I have a few leagues that are not redraft that are not dynasty that are just some sort of keeper for keeper hybrid and I and i remember at the end of the 2021 season just grabbing all the shares i could of of justin fields of, of players that had dropped him right because he had, was abysmal that that's that rookie season i mean just horrific and, and people said oh well never mind you know this is not the guy that we thought. Um, you know, they replaced him with somebody else, or they figured we'd get a, we're would get back in the next draft. And so got two or three shares, I think, that way. Um, and that, uh, you know, as they say, worked out.
2: Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Adam Thielen was another one for me. That was, he started trending, and then he hit like the last six weeks of that one year before he really broke out. And he helped me in my lineup uh, at the end of that season uh, as well, right before his breakout. So that's the other thing I think people need to pay a little bit more attention to is how people finish the year. Like a lot of people like to look at just the year totals, but when you see guys turn it on at the end of the year and then their situation doesn't change a whole lot going into the next year, they tend to, Uh, have success that following year Isaiah Hodgins in New York is one that I kind of like taking shots on this year because last year he turned it on at the end of the season their wide receiver Mm -hmm. core is no different than it was last year so who's going to be catching the passes if he can carry that into this year he's a guy that could get you a lot of value in redraft
1: leagues. yeah We, we might call this the uh Amon Ross St. Brown Memorial Award for late season uh, (laughs) heroics, right? For how good he was those last six weeks. Yeah, go. You know, whatever your site is you use, look at those. You know, filter by weeks. You know, twelve through eighteen. You know, see who those leaders were. See where that differentiates from. You know, weeks one through eighteen. You're going to find some pretty interesting interesting names that end of the year end of the year really well.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if you guys will believe me, but one of my first years playing fantasy football, I got Chris Johnson, CJ2K off of uh, of waivers. I think it was the year before he went for 2000 yards, and that ended up being a keeper league, so I kept him for the the year that he got 2000 yards, but uh yeah, I got CJ2K off of waivers um when I was like 11 or 12 years old. It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um awesome so we'll go this route so rick you're in league two you've already picked i think jalen hurts is your pick if i remember correctly yes
2: i picked at number three jalen hurts
0: um ryan remind me because i'm not looking at it what 16 league 16 perfect and have you made your pick yet
1: Yes, I picked it number five and Perfect. grabbed Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson.
0: Awesome. So I guess th- this is an easy question then for both of you. Was the the rushing output um a motivating factor in, in why you took the player that you did?
1: I'll I'll just start and say it absolutely was because you know I'm looking at um you know the top three QBs had gone. Justin Jefferson had gone by the time I picked, and so you're sort of staring at this choice uh, assuming you want to go quarterback in a superflex league between mm-hmm. between Lamar between Burrow, between Herbert um and Fields Fields went the pick right after me um and so it, it was just just the sense of with Lamar we have seen what he can do right players like Fields um they may have that ceiling as well, but with Lamar, we have seen this sort of nuclear season that he can have already when he was um, MVP back a few years ago. And so that rushing combined with some improved receiving weapons combined with, we know Mark Andrews is going to be Mark Andrews. That just, I mean, it was a no brainer for me.
2: Yeah. Same, same for me. And it's also, these are the guys that have the combination of they've graduated from early career turnover Uh, problems to now they are more efficient they've got the Konami code with the rushing they can still throw for a ton of touchdowns so they've got all of it and and that's what was big for me taking there you know outside of of Patrick Mahomes who doesn't run for as many yards as them I want those guys that have the combination of being able to throw touchdowns and run for touchdowns and yards and and that's what really put him up there for me and he has the weapons, and that's the thing. Yeah, like you said Lamar, <laughs> Lamar's got the best weapons he's ever had in his career, even with a, uh you know OBJ on yeah. the, the downturn. Um
0: yeah.
2: he's he's had one guy at times in the wide receiver group, but he's never had depth at the wide receiver group, and I think they've finally found him some depth there.
1: Yeah, no, to- totally agree. One of those guys, Bateman. Flowers or Beckham is going gonna, is gonna to hit and probably hit in a way that he hasn't had, certainly since Hollywood, but maybe, yeah. maybe even before that.
0: Well, and I think kind of to that point too, is one of them will hit. I think one of them is good enough to also fill in as a wide receiver too. And you've got Andrews mm-hmm. and a healthy J.K. Dobbins. Like Lamar is a, I think a really good pick. And to your point or and to your pick, Rick, like the Eagles are going to be really freaking good this year. <laughs> like they hear an embarrassment of riches, so I, I think Hurts is a fantastic pick with what he's already done from a fantasy perspective, but also now you've got a ton of talent to surround him as well. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, hopefully at some point the NFL draft quits catering to the Eagles and letting superior talents drop to them at spots that they shouldn't be able to get those guys. Obviously Carter was a little bit different, but Nakobe Dean and
0: Golly. I mean they just
2: they N'Kobe just keep Dean getting guys real. at values in the NFL draft and it's it's crazy. <laughs> They're so good. Their roster is so good. Yeah, it
0: is. All right. Well, our next guests are in the backstage. So Ryan, before we let them on, and I'm actually taking a little break. So Rick's taking over hosting duties. Um, going to let you plug yourself again um, and see kind of anything that you're working on, anything specific you want to mention and where people can find you. Uh, so have at it, Ryan.
1: Yeah, the the, the list is too long to, to go through. I, it confuses even even me. So I just suggest go to X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it these days and and find me at, at Cable Box Score. Whether you're interested in fantasy sports, whether you're a fan of TV, I do a lot of writing and podcasting about TV. So go find it all there at it. Cable Box Score. I'll be uh, all over the place this this football season. And guys, I just again really appreciate it. I cannot thank you enough for what you're doing, allowing me to have a, a little bit of a voice here.
2: Real quick, Ryan, before you go, because I'm a huge TV buff. Where do yep. you stand? What tier is Taylor Sheridan in?
1: What tier is Taylor Sheridan in? Oh my gosh! Um, Who I, I will say I have not seen the any of the Yellowstone S- spinoffs or oh, the 1923 or any, any of that yet. Um, I, I I think that he has got a, a moment to, sort of cement himself and his shows as sort of the I don't know, sort of this generation just real. Keystone TV maker right I mean he, he has had, had these incredible hits over, over the years Yellowstone and I just find to be fantastic I was discouraged at sort of this this I don't know it was a mutiny or sort of this disruption with Kevin Costner and sort of how that all ended but uh, I'm really hoping they land a plane on that on that show and I trust me I've got his shows queued up to to, to hit all those spinoffs and and sort of deviations of them soon
2: well we'll definitely talk more about that on X I <laughs> I love talking TV so Uh, nice to meet you Ryan
1: absolutely thank you guys so much
2: yeah thank you for coming on